do things a little bit different this morning. Uh, I think this is the first sermon since I've been here that is going to be a duplicate. So if you've been here for four years, then this will sound familiar. If not, then it won't. Um, I didn't like where I left it the first time, um, but this is an occasion sermon, uh, so it did really lend itself to being re-preached. Um, we're talking about things that steal our joy, and um, in organizing this series, um, I left a couple on the, the cutting room floor, uh, because I thought they were too obvious, like uh, sin obviously steals our joy, so I thought, well, that's kind of obvious, that'd be a short sermon. Um, so I didn't include that. And this one is a, a, another one I thought was kind of obvious. Um, so back in the, the beginning of October, whenever we started this, um, or end of October, I, I thought, we'll just leave this one out of the 10 or 12. And, uh, but uh, I want to talk about grief. Uh, events kind of brought this into the series. Well, it seems obvious that grief would steal our joy, wouldn't it? Um, grief is opposite, or in our, in our terminology, it's a word that is opposite of, of joy. Uh, so it's obvious that, well, I have grief, therefore I have no joy. Um, so I want to kind of go into to why they're not, it's not maybe so obvious a little bit. Um, there's a, maybe an ironic verse um, in the sense, maybe not irony, but um, in the sense that a, a verse here that, that talks about joy that, that sometimes I think steals our joy, um, and that is in James. Uh, he, he opens this book and he says, Consider all joy, you have various trials. And I think that statement causes a lot of people a lack of joy because, not because of the verse itself. But, but because of a misunderstanding of the verse and a misunderstanding of joy. Uh, and, and so there's, there's people, I think, that, that go through and think that they have to be happy. That this is asking me to be happy when I suffer things. And, um, and so they try to accomplish that. How am I going to be happy? Well, and, and so they, they search for things to make them happy. We're going to go through a little bit of that. Um, but, but that's uh, beginning from an assumption, I think, that we've talked about how assumptions do that, and maybe this is even filed under that, but this idea that I have to be happy um, and suffering. And, and that's not in the Bible. Um, And so our interpretation steals that joy, not the verse itself. The, the thinking that I have to, I have to be happy. Uh, and so happiness and joy are not the same thing. We're going to go through that a little bit, but um, probably more to a later date we'll, we'll kind of look at that deeper. But, but it has to do with the depth. You know, happiness is a surface emotion, so it's, it's more up and down. Whereas joy is kind of underneath, and it's not subject to all of the turbulence. Um, they, they can go hand in hand. But I want to look at um, the theft of joy. Um, 
So joy is lost, I said, in the search for things to make us happy. When we want to accomplish this verse, because it's a verse in the Bible, consider it all joy. Um, we go and hunt for some things to, to help us accomplish this. Yeah. Um, and some of this we, we, we already talked about. We look for a meaning. Right? The meaning in the event, or the meaning in the loss, or the meaning in the suffering. And uh, as we said, sometimes you come to a point where, where you can't find the meaning. And when you can't find the meaning, you lose your joy. Again, because we're looking for something that, that might not be there. Well, if you can't find the meaning in something that is senseless, then you might go in search of something else. And so it's a, well, there's no meaning in it, maybe, but, but maybe I can find the positives in it. Maybe look at the bright side of things, the, the, the rainbow and the storm cloud, whatever it is, and we, we look for those things, and, and sometimes we don't find those either. I, I caught myself, even as I'm preparing this sermon, doing the same thing. I was thinking, at least there were no children that suffered last week. Well, until they what? They're going to get better. They're, they're in the hospital. Until, until that, and, you know, they're like, ah, oh, I don't even have that. And there's this searching for something positive. And, and, and maybe that will bring joy. Until it doesn't. Looking for the positives. Looking for something. Sometimes there's no positive. Use the, the illustration, um, you know, I've I, I read, you know, I like history, and you know that, reading reading stuff about, you know, World War II or whatever, and you, these wonderful stories of, of people who managed to escape a, a, a war camp of some sort. Those are nice stories, but I don't know about you, but they always bring me not joy. They, they don't bring joy to me. Because all I think of is really draws attention to the millions of people that didn't. That's all I see when I read those stories. I, those don't bring joy to me. And, and the third thing, we then look for justice. I want justice. That will bring me joy. When such and such a person who did something to me or to somebody or that I know, when they get theirs, and you hear those statements all the time, they don't bring joy. They won't make anything that you suffer better. Somebody else suffering because they did something won't make your suffering end. Um, there's a junior at Harding, we're this. His name is Brant Jean. His older brother was pretty good friends with, with Katie's brother, uh, Michael. When Michael was there, you might know the name Botham Jean. Botham Jean was killed uh, by a police officer a couple of years ago uh, who accidentally went into the wrong apartment thinking she was in her own apartment, and, and shot and killed Bob and Jean. Um, and uh, there is a touching moment in the trial, at the end of the trial, after she's been declared guilty, 
And Brant, Gene, after the sentencing, and they let the relatives of the victim talk. And at the end of his talk, I mean, in his talk, he says, I don't even want you to go to jail. That was unlike anybody else in his family, by the way. His own father was like, I wish he got a harsher sentence. One of the justice. He was a Christian. Christian man. And, and here's, a, here's a kid who's like 16 years old at the time. says, I don't even want you to go to jail. And if you want to watch something touching, watch the full video. He says, can I go give her a hug? Uh, it, it brings tears to your eyes. <clears throat> The joke, not happiness. The joke. And I want to. There's a text that I always read. I think it was a perfect text for dealing with grief. It's in John chapter 11. <clears throat> John chapter 11, of course, is the death of Lazarus. And uh, it begins in verse 17. Given this is like reading microfish without my glasses here. So, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again in Martha. And said, oh, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside and the teacher's here, she said, is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went out to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village. He was still at the place where Martha had known. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her who were weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. And the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could he not, the one who opened the eyes of the blind, have kept this man from dying. I want to look at and, and kind of contrast Mary and Martha a little bit. Not for better or for worse, but they're just different. Um, yet they're both the same. They both do the same thing. They both blame Jesus, if you notice. They both ask really the same question. 
It's really a question. It's a statement, but it's a question. Why did you do this? Because if you would have been here, it wouldn't have happened. This is this is blaming Jesus. And I want you to notice what Jesus doesn't do. Jesus doesn't correct either of them. Notice that. Jesus didn't get into a, a there might be times to handle that later, but, but he doesn't really correct them now. He understands grief. He understands the grieving process. We do that. Okay? The one who has to answer for harm is God. Grief is a process where we try to wrap our minds around something that we can't. That's what grief is. And it's interesting that one of the things that we seek first is information. And information is the worst thing to seek, I think. In most cases, not in all cases, I suppose. And we'll look at that a little bit. We want to know why. <laughs> first thing we go and seek for. Why did you let this happen? Why did this happen? Information is, is positive for a lot of things. It fixes a lot of problems. I'm not so sure that it's the best thing to read. Well, there's two ways that typically this question is used incorrectly. Why? One is by people who ask it. Why? Why do bad things happen to good people? It could be in an individual thing, it can be in a community thing, it can be in a large-scale thing, but we ask why. Why did this happen and why was this allowed to happen? Why did God allow this to happen? One of the things that people are looking for when they ask this question, not always, but is they seek a disproof of God. See, there can't be a God because this happened. So, whether or not bad things happen, you can't determine God's existence. God is or isn't, regardless of an event. And that's the first harm, I think, in, in life. The other harm is in people who want to answer the question. And I think especially among preachers, we have a problem answering this question. And, and one of the, the things that we want to do when we answer the question, why, with information, is we want to leave people in a happy place. We, we want to make it better with words. And I, I look for the why that will make you feel okay with why a tragedy happens. And the problem is, is words and information can't do that. They simply can't. There's no why that will make me feel good, even if it's an accurate explanation. I'm not saying there's no accurate explanation, I'm just saying they won't make me feel good. If I'm hoping to make someone feel good with information, it will never happen. The joy is going to have to come somewhere else. Now, it doesn't mean that information is bad, it just means it, it's limited. Um, you know, we can get into an inflexible approach. And Jesus, I want to look at Jesus' approach here. He does give information to Martha. Martha comes grieving. And this is kind of one of the things I wish to correct. I mean, kind of maps 
you know, the first time. And then I went back and looked at the text and I said, well, that, that wasn't accurate what I said. He does use information here with Martha. What, what seems strange is that when we think of Martha, we think of Martha and Mary. Mary was the one that wanted to listen to the teachings and everything, and we think of Martha not interested in the teachings at all, yet, yet here she is, and she's the one that is helped by information. Right? She's the one that's all into the information, and Mary wasn't. And, and Jesus known her approaches to this, but maybe this is the way some, some people deal with grief. I think there are a few Marthas amongst us. I think there are far more Marys in the world. But she gains control of her grieving process through some information. Not necessarily why it happened, but some doctrine the afterlife and, and things like that. That's where she where where Jesus addresses. But Mary's not approached through information. Jesus doesn't inform her of anything. Blame for Jesus death the second time he doesn't get ticked off at it. He doesn't say anything. Jesus left. What he did? Cry. Sometimes the creator of the universe doesn't have the right words. Not because of his incapability, but because of our capability. Sometimes there are no words that the creator of the universe can give us to make us feel better. So I'm not going to try. Because I'm far less capable to sit here and try to give information that will make people feel good. Don't try that. For one, I don't have the, inter- the ability to identify who's Martha in the, in the, amongst the minority of the crowd. Right? I just approach people like their merits because that's the safe way. Here's where we find joy. In the New Testament, there are six verses where you will find the the, the word or phrase joy being full. Let your joy be full. And you'll find it all in their context at one and in common. One thing. Fellowship. Togetherness. <clears throat> Togetherness creates joy. Jesus was looking forward to going back to heaven so that his joy would be full. He told them, I'm going to come back with them again and we can be together and our joy can be full. But most of them refer to Christians being together. I hope to come to you quickly so that your joy can be full. It's about togetherness.
So there's things that may come in time. Justice may be done, may not be done, that will not make you joyful. You may find something positive. Maybe something positive will come from it. I don't know. Whatever it is, the personal, what's happening in the community, whatever things, we all have griefs. You might find some meaning. Personal or otherwise. But don't seek it. Someone asking, don't seek it. And don't try to help others seek it. Because these don't, it doesn't bring joy. Don't offer your opinions. Please don't offer your opinions. They cannot bring joy. Seek fellowship. That's what brings joy. Being together. Don't isolate yourself from other people. Because if you isolate yourself, you're left alone. And then you're left alone with your thoughts. And when you're left alone with your thoughts, you think about why. And that doesn't bring joy. Seek fellowship. So that your joy can be full. That's what's going to bring a sense of, of depth to this situation and any other. It is a, a sense of connection that's going to give depth and it's going to give substance. To, to, so that whether we're happy or not, we have something that's, that's stable um, going forward.